America, my name is Amiose Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And I initially was going to talk about Jay-Z because Jay-Z came out with an interview where he said that he can't talk to his cousins because his cousins are always hitting him up for money. And I was going to say that Jay-Z is actually in prison because part of what it is to be free is to be able to determine your family relations and not have them over-determined by external forces. But um, Jay-Z's family relations, because, you know, Jay-Z didn't grow up from a fancy family. He grew up in just a regular black, actually a poor black family. And so all of his relations are poor. <laughs> uh, all of his cousins are poor, which means that even though he's a billionaire, he can't have real relationship with his family because all of his family, like all of his cousins, extended family, they want something, they need something. And uh, that is a form of unfreedom that a lot of white people do not have, especially a lot of wealthy white people do not have. They can actually talk with their family because their family is not so desperate as like black cousins, right? So that was initially going to be the show, but instead I'm going to talk about affirmative action because SCOTUS came out with a verdict that uh, made, that federally made race-based admissions in college um, verboten. So we can't um, do that anymore uh, across this wide land. And we need to know what that means. First of all, race in America is always tied to lineage and, and separated from lineage, right? It's separated from lineage because Barack Obama is black, but it's tied to lineage because Barack Obama isn't an American descendant of slaves. Like Michelle Obama is, but Barack, no, he's he, like, he grew up from like a white family and his dad was, <laughs> Um, you know, Kenyan American, right? So he did not have the legacy slavery uh, that screwed up his entire family structure um, that a lot of black people have. Like I did a show a few weeks ago on Tina and Ike Turner on how everything about their screwed up relationship is Jim Crow love. It's Jim, it's, it's, it's love under Jim Crow, right? People like to blame Ike Turner, but Ike Turner's entire life and sexual, like, life was profoundly distorted down to at six years old watching his uh, father get beaten um, for having sexual relationships with an area white woman. And then he himself was, was, was raped as a young man. So like everything about Ike Turner's life and like in an extent Tina Turner's life has been overdetermined by the, the, the racialized degradation and terror of Jim Crow, right? So I continue to turn on with Jim Crow love, right? So it's the legacy of that. It's the lineage of that, of slavery and Jim Crow, that um, uh, affirmative action was, according to LBJ, set to actually redress. So Barack Obama doesn't fit in that picture, right? So it's not just about color being black. It's about redressing the legacy and lineage of Jim Crow and and slavery so as soon as you conflate race and lineage you've already done a little bit of a damage in a world with a lot of uh dark hued um americans who are not descended from do who do not share the same lineage who simply do not share the same lineage. and there are lineage defects like black family life, black social life, and black political life has been overdetermined by the needs for survival, not freedom, but by the needs of survival. 
right? So the black family is what it is because that's what it needed to be in order to survive. That's not the same as the black family is what it is because that's what it determined itself to be in a free and equal America. And that's, and you know, there are huge problems with black, with, you know, the black family in the United States and even like our um, uh, marriage rates and divorce rates and in intact family rates and all of that is overdetermined by what black people needed to do to survive in an America that did not want black autonomy. Right. So um, insofar as affirmative action was supposed to redress that, that's what it should have done. But it shouldn't have started with college admissions. It's kind of like, you know, the way Brown versus B, uh, Board of Education tried to integrate the students, but it didn't integrate faculties or, and the power. It didn't integrate school boards. It didn't integrate assets and budget committees. It just integrated the students. So integrating, so college admissions was always the wrong place. If you want to deal with colleges and affirmative action, what you deal with is uh, maintenance and uh, catering contracts. Right? Give black people, shoehorn black people into getting a fair share of those maintenance contracts and catering contracts because a lot of America was built on black labor, so black people learn, needed to learn how to do stuff, but it was also built on suppressing black ownership and suppressing, um, suppressing black ownership, suppressing black competition, competition from black people. So we needed to train black people in order to do stuff, but also make sure that they couldn't own or compete with the whites or anybody else. So that we needed, we needed affirmative action, making sure those sweetheart contracts um, that apparently at the University of Georgia, there's like this enormous contract that just does toilet paper. That is not a black contract. It should be a black contract. We can deliver toilet paper, right? Um, so it should have, should have happened at the level of assets. College admissions is sexy because in America, we like to tell ourselves that Americans become who they are and can make themselves who they are through education by the dint of education alone. But actually, I would rather have like arable land and assets and, um, you know, integrate power, integrate property and power and contracts. And all of the um, jobs that are handed out through social networks, right? Integrate those. And then we could talk about the classroom. Or we could talk about the classroom alongside that. But just talking about the classroom abstracted from uh, hard assets was always kind of a... It was always kind of a red herring. All right, so I'm going to hit the opening and come back at you, and, and we're going to delve in a little bit deeper. To the beach, Never change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I'll paint the White House black And it can feature in your front People you say, well, you know, you could just uh, take class into consideration No, because poor whites They look like, in a way, non-poor whites So you, get, you, you, you take class into consideration and conflate class with race all you get some sort of, uh, you know, poor white people who put on just enough airs to be taken in to a polite society with rich white people and, and, and nothing, no one has gained anything, <laughs> right? So I bet you class-based affirmative action would really do great things for white women. <laughs> You're born poor, but you got big breasts, so you go to college and you end up marrying... Um, you know, 
uh, an engineer patriarch who's going to tell you what to do anyway and appreciate your big breast. Right, so that's, you got your class come up. That doesn't do anything for like the poor community. No, it, it, affirmative action needs to talk about jobs. It needs to be centered around jobs and assets. Right? By the way, I, you know, I'm probably, every program that I've been a part of and participated in and like had contributed to is probably a better thing because of the quality of my intellect. So if I was an affirmative action um, you know, my grades were bad in high school, but my test scores are pretty good. And I, you know, I came in with a non-obvious major. I, you know, I checked music because I was a pretty good musician in high school. And it turns out that that was a felicitous box to check in college admissions um, because college admissions don't want any more biology majors. <laughs> they get enough of those. Uh, I didn't study music. I studied philosophy and I studied, I studied a lot of things, but uh, my degrees um, have been in philosophy. But it turns out that uh, that kind of stuff matters in college admissions because if they want music departments, they need people who come in as majors. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I was just, you know, the only thing I knew how to do was play the oboe. So I, I checked that I was going to study music at Berkeley. And, but uh, any any elite dollars and taxpayer dollars that went to my education has been repaid through the quality of my contribution. Not only every Monday and Thursday here, but just. In, in, in my life. So you're welcome. You're welcome. And anyone who says, well, there's an Asian guy or a black guy who, whose spot I took, or there's an Asian guy or a white guy whose spot I took, I can tell you that Asian guy or white guy didn't, wouldn't have read the books I read and wouldn't be talking the way I'm talking. So if you appreciate the way I'm talking, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or $50. Um, because, I mean, the idea that I took someone's spot and then that someone would have gone off and worked for <laughs> McKinsey or Bain or some uh, management consulting group is, is there's a way in which uh, the world's a better place because I was in the spot. Right. So affirmative action primarily should address lineage, the lineage degradation and lineage benefits um, that America doles out, right? So we need affirmative action to address the lineage degradations felt by and experienced by American descendants of slaves. Unless you think that black fatherlessness and the black family is what it is and would be what it is regardless of the legacy of Jim Crow and um, slavery. Or you, like me, think that in every era of America, black sexual life has been overdetermined by white anxiety. <laughs> like economic anxiety and you know social anxiety from the plantation onto like cleaver's soul on ice onto today. Like I, I I tell my I've told my wife that eventually someone's gonna try to pinch me for sexual harassment or um, you know pinch me for something just because I'm mouthy and all you have to do is say I made you uncomfortable and I make a lot of white women uncomfortable. Boo. Uh, so all you have to do is make someone uncomfortable and then uh, you're like some sort of sexual threat. And that's just what it is to be a black male. And I refuse to kind of make myself small um, in the face of that. So that's just something the ladies are going to have to deal with. And, you know, I, I told my wife, you know, eventually someone's going to say that. And that's just something that's, you know, what Jonathan Majors now is, is, is feeling that um, as it stands. I mean, I'm not going to go out like Ike Turner. I might not go out like Ike Turner. If I, let me tell you, 
um, if something like that comes out, if someone comes with a movie of me, uh, of me, you know, assaulting them or raping them, I did not do it. I did not do it. Most of my life, women terrified me, so uh, I did not do it. But I would not be surprised if, if something comes out that said I did do it. I didn't do it. Um, so I'll just put that in right now. It's just a way you can say things about black men um, and it'll stick because everybody wants to believe black men are rapists. America needs black men to be rapists. And that's a burden I bear, which is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the United States needs to take affirmative action into making, you know, Negroes whole, right? So uh, the legacy degradation that black people bear by being conflated racially with a caste that needs to be put down um, is what affirmative action, what, what the government wanted to like take action to redress, right? College admissions might not have been the best place to do it necessarily. I think it should have been done at the asset level. Talk about property, talk about property first, then talk about contracts and don't do it toward, and since we're doing it towards lineage, you got to get the women out of it, the white women out of it, right? So white women became minorities in order to eat off black plates. White women need to go eat off their husband's plate for a while um, and, uh, and let black people like have a plate. <laughs> um, so we need to stop pretending that white women are minorities, they're not minorities, and we need to deal with it as lineage. And since white women come from the same lineage as white people, they are off on their own. Now people say like, well, what about the Asians? The Asians, what about Asians Americans? They get it worst of all, which is in a way true. In a way true. A lot of the anxiety about race and college admissions comes from anti-Asian hatred among the whites. The whites are terrified of Asians because Asians come here and beat the whites at their own game. Um, that's the story of the University of California. <laughs> um, whites pretending like we're a nation of laws and blah, 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 blah. And, and not laws and rules. And if you just got to follow the rules and the laws, and the Asians come here and follow the rules and laws and do better than the whites. And then the whites are like, wait a minute. Not that way. <laughs> we, we made these laws to keep black people out, not to let so many Asians in. So um, Asian people have a legitimate gripe in a way, except since 1965, I got to tell you, the Asian population in the United States isn't like the most benign. <laughs> right? So we figured out a way to bring in the biggest a-holes in the entire world of Asian descent. We bring them to the United States, network them with other a-holes, and then, um, you know, it turns out they do well. They don't have to like, they left their cousins in the, they left their derelict cousins in the country they came from. Now, refugees are a different story. And then people who've been here uh, for a long, long, long time building railroads and stuff, that's a different story. But like, for example, Indian Americans, where we had like five Indian Americans in 1980, and now we have like six million, um, those were all of a certain caste. Not all, but a significant overrepresented of a certain caste. And that caste has 3,000 years of treating other Indians badly. And they bring that cultural um, awareness to America and then figure out who to treat badly here. It turns out it's us. So there's a way in which um, the Asian Americans who are disproportionately punished by the United States uh, policies of trying to make you know, black and Latinos whole don't represent even you know, the 
Asian people in the immigrant country that they, they come that they come from, right? They're different. They're they're a different kind, right? They're the the most elite. They are the worst ones. So they bring over the worst ones, the worst predators, and then they network with other of the worst predators in the same situation, and then and and, and then they predate on on black life. And I don't, you know, that's a it's okay for them to have to take some lumps. <laughs> it's okay for them to have to take some lumps. Plus, you come to America, you take on America's debt. As soon as you, as soon as you apply for any sort of citizenship or residency, you take on America's debt. America owes black people, which means that like, you take on the debt of owing black people. If you don't like that, go back. Go back. Go back. If you don't want to take on America's debt, go back. You want to, if you just want to make money here and don't want to take on the debt, you want the good but not the bad, then like, we don't need you here. So that's how I feel about that. Um, affirmative action in college admissions, I think always kind of misplayed the problem because the problem was how to make black people whole in a more robust way. And it was never going to be through education alone. It was going to be through assets. And also it conflated color with lineage, right? So my dad's African, but my mom's from South Carolina and there are differences in the lineage and the cultural lineage. And my dad's African from like the class of Africans who could afford to come to the United States post 65. And my mom's just like regular South Carolina black. From, you know, moderately like professional class, both their parents were teachers, which is already something. They weren't sharecroppers. But, um, you know, a South Carolina black family isn't as well. <laughs> isn't, isn't, is is a problem because because of the legacy and the degradation and the pressures of just being you know post jim crow black or jim crow black when they grew up right so you know whereas my mom wanted to divorce my dad didn't so like there's a lot of there's a a lot of the deficiencies that are kind of replete in black life come out of the pressures of the Jim Crows and then the enticements of the liberalism that, that, that was ushered in after, through all the civil rights movement, right? So we replaced conventional white supremacy with liberalism, which isn't the same as justice, <laughs> right? So we destroyed like overdetermined families and replaced them with no families. That's not good. Instead of replacing them with just families. And if you want to know what I think what a just family is, you know, I have other videos on that kind of stuff. Um, so we went from terrorism to Jim Crow to, um, to liberalism, which then just incentivized cultural degradation. It didn't mandate it from a gun. It incentivized it. It incentivized cultural degradation. It incentivized divorce. It incentivized um, kind of unfortunate institutional behavior, right? And marketed it to. So you, we went from the terror of the plantation to the terror of peonage slavery to like throwing it to like the terror of the market. None of which actually was consistent with black self-determination. Right? Being on the market when you don't have any assets, <laughs> that's good. We'll take away all your assets and then throw you on the market. Like, so you, got, you don't control media, you don't control property, your rent 
but you're free. You just have the ideas that we tell you, living in a space that we give you, on a job that we provide for you, on terms that we negotiate for you. No, so black people have never been free. We were thrown from uh, sharecroppers to the market without any assets, without any market power. We were thrown to the market without any market power. We were chum. Chum, and we've been chum ever since. So the lack of cultural and material power in a market society has not made black people free. We don't control the ideas. I might be the, one of the freest Negroes in, on YouTube. And if you appreciate what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, because nothing in America is free. Nothing in America is free. Everything costs. And I want to you know, provide for my family and all that stuff. And so just know that if you give the money to me, it'll be spent you know, helping me be free in a way that's good for the world. I use my freedom in order to support my people. And my people are, you know, both my family, my community, and you two on YouTube and the United States. I'm trying to make a better America. Uh, I'm going to go talk, by the way, about that. I have plans in a few weeks. I'm going to do a session on what I teach my kids and why. Because um, my kids are awesome. You might want your kids to be like my kids. You probably should. I think you should. My kids. And not just because they're mine, but because they are. Like, like they... they they can do things and win awards and do stuff that like, just testifies how pretty much objectively awesome they are. And I want your kids to be objectively awesome, except they're secrets. And I don't think the secrets should be secrets. I think it should be out for the people because everyone can be awesome in their own way, in different ways. That, and I, I'm not threatened by your kids being awesome. I think your kids could be awesome in the same and different ways. And if your kids are awesome, my kids are awesome, then that's just more like black awesomeness. And I appreciate that. So go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. How I'm going to teach my kids and what I do to teach my kids and kind of like the structure of my day as a parent. Uh, I'm going to do a show on that probably, probably in two or three weeks. Um, but lineage first, lineage first, lineage first. And Sandy Darity's book, From Here to Equality. Do I have that here? Sometimes I have it right away. Yeah, look at that. It's right here. Sandy Darity's book, From Here to Equality. On that chapter 13, he lays this out. Um, uh, he lays this out about how, you know, any real reparations needs to have both an identity component and a lineage component. The identity component could be like, have you um, identified as black consistently for the last 12 years? And the lineage component could be like, are you descended from slaves? <laughs> that, I think that's fair. Right? And then marginal cases are kicked to a community that um, a tribunal of like non-marginal cases. So like there's kind of a kind of a black national congress um, that decides marginal cases, which I think all of this could work. All of this could work. Black people decide who gets to be black, same way that Native Americans decide who gets to be Native American. And apparently Elizabeth um, Warren did not get that memo, and she decided herself. <laughs> what she was, and the Cherokee Nation said, like, no, 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 no. We get to decide um, who you are. All right. Thank you for your time. I'll have a different show on Monday talking about uh, more relationships. But just know that just because you ban race based doesn't mean that the fight for lineage based justice is over. And race and lineage have always have been conflated in America because. Um, uh, race over determined lineage and 
now that that's not the case, race may can go by the wayside, but lineage still has has to be uh, met with because the lineage degradations have have overdetermined the degradation of black institutions in general. Black property holdings are what they are because of lineage degradations. Black um, uh, social and civic life is what it is because of lineage degradation. Black families are what they are because of lineage degradations. You could tell yourself some sort of story about how black families would be in the same situation they would be in if it weren't for Jim Crow, but that story would be a lie. Um, or, you know, so black holdings are what they are because of lineage degradations. And those are the lineage degradations that will continue to repeat themselves if the government doesn't take some sort of affirmative action to allow black people to, to be made whole and to heal ourselves. All right. So thank you for your time. And I will see you on Monday. Bye. Go to funkyacademic.com. <laughs>